We're looking at the art of Dan Klaus, modern cartoonist today, the big uh, art book from, from Abrams. Uh, Dan Klaus is a favorite cartoonist of the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. We've covered a lot of Dan Klaus' work in the past. I believe there's a playlist. Make sure you search through. Maybe uh, we covered your favorite Dan Klaus comic, and if we didn't, we probably will soon. Uh, in the not-too-distant future, we're going to be looking at his uh, latest graphic novel, Monica, from Fantagraphics. Without further ado, let's get into things. Welcome to your favorite comic book channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rogg. The art of Dan Klaus is going to be under the microscope, but we got to let you guys know, Cartoonist Kayfabe Comic Book Christmas in July is forthcoming. Last Saturday in July, we are going around to our local free little lending libraries in our neighborhoods. We are stuffing those little lending libraries full of comic books, uh, be it doubles that we have accumulated over the past year, uh, our own comp copies, or go hit up the comic shop, hit the dollar bins, grab a bunch of stuff that you would recommend to people. We need to increase comic book readership, and this is one way to do it. The Patreon that we have for Cartoonist Kayfabe is where the King Kayfabers are able to completely mitigate the Kayfabe effect. Uh, this is because good sample of them are hanging out with us in the chat room while we are recording this video uh, in real time but all King Kayfabers get the videos before anybody else and without further ado Jimmy let's take a quick uh, breeze through the art of Dan Klaus modern cartoonist from Abrams it seemed like once a year uh, Abrams comic arts put out a new monograph of like one of the cartoons that we freaking love there's the art of Jaime Hernandez there's the Jack Kirby King of Comics this Klaus book. I could do 20 minutes on that cover image. I think it's so striking. I know, man. Shouts to John, Jonathan Bennett, who is doing a jacket design, and I believe he did some some uh, some work on the inside also to uh, design a thing, scan the pages, all of that. I think Alvin Bueno Vachora had his hand in that. But uh, amazing when these books came out. Answered a lot of questions. Uh, put me on certain uh, eBay hunts, man. I never knew before I got this book, I didn't know that there were like full color zip things like this. I got this book. I went on eBay immediately. That's where all those uh, color zip screens that I got, I got after seeing these. It's what I should have used for that Red Room 1 cover because it would have been what Klaus would have used right. back in the day right. to uh, to really emulate that. Um, great photography throughout. Like this is kind of stuff that I really enjoy because it's a little bit of different stuff. You know, even like... I just think this book is beautiful. Like going back through it after not looking at it for a couple years. Yeah. So much fun. All of these uh, portraits inspired my uh, my thumbnail for the Dan Klaus shoot interview that we did. Uh, I just love how he interprets himself all the time. Never very kind. No, and he has strips of it. He has them as like author photos. Like it happens a lot. And whenever you see the photograph, it fits perfectly. It absolutely does. <laughs> and I'm just imagining him, like, his table right next to, like, Wendy and Richard Peeney at some convention or something. And, like, that's that's where that look comes from. The cool thing about this is that uh, you do get a reasonable sample of uh, his juvenilia and things like this, man. But uh, it's an opportunity to reprint a lot of the comics that don't have a place anywhere else. So his comic from... Kramer's Zergot 7, and uh, the McSweeney's comic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fills in some blanks, too, on that McSweeney's comics, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but coming out of, like, an HBO pilot that, that he wrote and developed and stuff. 
But yeah, like seeing like all the the youthful stuff in the how background. About, how about amazing. this here, Jimmy? Man, there was a, a, a comic book a vending machine back in the, the day, 1965 to be exact. This video is brought to you by the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. There are three different levels to suit all of your needs. At the King Kayfaber top level, you will get access to all of our videos first and earliest to help curb the Kayfabe effect. You'll be the first one in line to buy those books. And at the King Kayfaber level, you get to sit in on our recording sessions. So welcome to the Brain Trust. It is also brought to you by the books that we make. The books that you can get from me include Hulk Grand Design, The Plain Janes, and Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive. These are all available currently in print. My upcoming releases include Street Angel Princess of Poverty, which will collect all of the Street Angel comics not in Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive, and True Crime Funnies, my most recent self-published comic book. You can get this at my Patreon or at my website. Ed Piscor has a big year coming up, starting with the hip-hop family tree Omnibus coming out this fall. You can pre-order that and put your name on a copy now. It collects all the Hip Hop Family Tree comics in one handsome volume along with 140 extra pages. So reserve that one today. X-Men Grand Design. All three volumes of X-Men Grand Design will be collected in one trade paperback this fall. Again, pre-order that one today. Some of these Grand Designs have gone out of print, so this is a way for you to read X-Men Grand Design conveniently. And the third season of Red Room Crypto Killers is currently being published. You can get that at your local comic book shop. There are also two trade paperback volumes in print and available for order wherever you buy books and comics. And now back to our video. Yeah, this has floated through uh, social media a couple of times because this is not the only one. Like, there was a real attempt at this. That's wild. And you can kind of find remnants of it online, but it is an odd, odd endeavor. He talks about this specific comic in uh, interviews a lot like he talks about that on the Mark Marin episode and uh, it's a DC comic when you go through the Silver Age DCs you see a, you could connect a lot of dots to Dan Klaus style that way I love seeing this stuff it almost looks like Iron Fist like he's drawing Iron Fist comics dude all of this stuff where it's like comic mock-up kind of stuff amazing I was looking at his like little college uh, pad, dude, and seeing that he got like one of them. Man, that that VCR probably costs like three G's. Yeah, that's an impressive thing to have at that time period. But also, like that is such a snapshot of like college era. Right. You know, it's that pared down, just depressing apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Record player there. It's awesome. I, I really like this stuff too. Like seeing him kind of in those early days trying to break in as a freelancer. And we talked to him a little bit about this. Like what was out there for a cartoonist in early 80s, late 70s? Not a lot. No. Not a lot of prospects. But his stuff is still really cool because you see the glimpses of Klaus-isms in, in a lot of the stuff. Absolutely, man. There it is, Stash Gillespie, the artist of the ugly family in Cracked Magazine. And you get good nearly artist edition reprints or f photographs of of those pages makes me wonder how much of that stuff he still has and it also makes me wonder like how do we get an ugly family pdf together right. like it's never i don't think it's ever going to happen in print no but i mean i've got half of them probably that i'm ready to scan and put yeah. together and, I mean, and i just need to piece it together that could be a crowd uh, crowdsource a, a, a fan it. yeah crowdsource right exactly yeah it is neat though because you do see him using these materials like that previous page was gouache right. which is something that we would see him do for 25 30 years do you still have any of these i never got one i sent him a dollar for it and it was right as he was switching over for uh you know like being represented by a gallery right and he's like you'll be able to get it from here it's like no i can't dan right <laughs> you've added zeros yeah <laughs> they're all sold out you see this painting on his wall in in the uh 
when you when you see a studio. It's so interesting for me going through Lloyd Llewellyn in that black and white explosion 1986 era and thinking like this is where like one of the great cartoonists this is his start i i remember seeing the first louis llewellyn piece i ever saw was in a it was an issue of amazing heroes that has the outsiders on the cover drawn by probably jim Aparo or something and it's just you know latest comic in like the news and it was a very spared image this is one of the great parts of the book if you go back one page is just we're going to see a lot of this if you if you kept a tally of like how much art appears here that wasn't published exactly. or printed and you know that's really a big benefit to me of seeing this kind of stuff totally. along with stuff like this you know working out roughs and, and kind of developing and all that new yorker stuff it's been published but i don't have a set of that right so let's see it. he always talks about his new yorker covers like they're always these very complex things man and then you know he'll get the next the next weeks and it's like uh, um impressionistic like snowflake on a slate background like this kind of stuff i absolutely how cool. love mock-ups along those lines how cool because because it looks like it has the same chunky like case wrap like so it's almost a one for one except it's like hand done with his dummies this is that strip mr wonderful that that uh got got its own kind of pantheon release you know this was part of uh man that was such an interesting little period in the new york times the sunday paper they had this thing the sunday the funny pages it was uh it was Klaus, it was a jaime Seth, I believe. Megan Kelso. And there were about uh, Chris, a half Chris a dozen. Ware. Did Chris Ware do one? Yeah, it was the building story. Like, like not all of building stories, but the the one that came out. We had uh, a look as, at building stories sometime as like that package of yeah mania. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it is an interesting time, April. though, because it was such a different audience in a lot of ways. Like the, that Mr. The, Wonderful piece. I like that book a lot, the, but it's such a, it's kind of a different cloud. The New York crowd, uh, the, the intelligentsia was really looking at comics for a little while. That's when, that's when like that year at MoCA, when we went there, that was the one where on the um, magazine page for the New York Times, it was the photo of like Spiegelman and all those dudes standing there and Evan Dorkin was cutting promos <laughs> on, on those dudes for like 20 minutes. This would have been, um, this monograph comes out after Wilson, but before Patience, right? Absolutely. Definitely before Patience. Okay. Man, I love the, the studio shots are always really exciting for yeah. me. Any of the sketchbook stuff, really great. See, there's your color zips on that uh, 8 ball one cover. Right. And all these different treatments for the logo. More more uh, self-portraits. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, those girly ties. Yeah, all the sketchbook excerpts are really fun. I love... This This was a big thing for me. Is like, I don't know if I've ever run the same logo on a book. Right. I guess Hulk Grand Design, the two issues were, were the same. And that's kind of a Marvel move. But otherwise, like, I would look at this stuff and just be like, Yeah, man, you create the entire cover every time. Right. Yeah, that goes back to, uh, to uh, Crumb. You also get to see pristine reproduction on these things as you go through like the eight ball catalog and it's stuff that we have or we've seen, but also just the reproduction is so sharp in this edition. Color guides, dude. That's awesome. What is this? He's got letterhead? Klaus letterhead? Yeah, man. I don't remember getting getting a letterhead used in my uh, <laughs> in notes that I've gotten from him. I want that letterhead. Look at all these, the organization stuff. There's a text piece in this book from Chris Ware and he kind of talks about in Chicago hanging out with Klaus and how his apartment was organized so neatly and cleanly it was like a museum and you see it whenever it's like boxes of letters that even look good right man all of the uh the cover sketches I find remarkable 
And I'm curious, this is where I say, I need you to include sizes on stuff. Totally. Guys, you're gonna do an art book, give me the sizes of it. It's kind of surprising uh, that, that, that that's not, not in here. I was shocked by this because I don't think of him as being a big reference guy. It makes sense with this story, the stroll, uh, but it's not something that I think of. And then like seeing this, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. And it also is instructive on how do you use photo reference? Yeah, because he distills it down and turns it into a totally clousy imagery. Yeah, I did not read this story back in the day and go, oh, okay, you know, he's tracing, he's, he's tracing, tracing photos. photos. Yeah, right. absolutely not. Covered to the TCJ. 2001, I think I had a subscription at this point. Living in a little shitty apartment and reading my comics journals. <laughs> <laughs> Just internalizing these messages. <laughs> This is great. This is the uh, the group in Chicago that would meet, including, I think this might be Chris Ware's uh, text piece, but talking about like all these cartoonists meeting up and just trying to entertain each other as your Chris Ware drawing, I'm sure. Yeah, man. And doing these uh, mini jam comics and then running across the street, photocopying them. And then of course they end up on eBay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Klaus, Gary Lieb, Archer Pruitt, that would be Soft Boy, mm -hmm. Chris Ware, Terry LeBan, and Doug Allen, uh, Steven. Those guys were all staples of uh, this, th those indie comics, of the, like any of those anthologies, man. Blab, Snake Eyes, all that shit. I love this stuff, dude. Yeah, that part's really neat. These drawings, like, so bizarre. You know, what's he even doing with that? Right. Just a character study? Right, that's some there of the neatness go. of the organization. So those are press clippings. I guess about different artists he likes. Uh, dude, reviews, articles, look at the narcissism. You know, seven, six volumes of, uh, of, of stuff from, from his, about himself. In hindsight, I wish uh, more artists would do that. Dan, we'll send you a DVD, man, of, uh, of our interview with you. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in your little binder. These two on tour, Chris Ware and Dan Klaus. <laughs> I still, man, the idea of Chris Ware parasailing or something is just, I can't get it out of my head. Hilarious. I also appreciate seeing this kind of stuff. I think this was unpublished, but he's done so much work outside of like the eight ball and his graphic novels. It's nice to see it somewhere. That's the Darlington Sundays uh, that I mentioned at the top that he developed like a, I guess a series Bible or something. I don't know if a pilot was ever shot, but that was an HBO script. And then it finds its way into the McSweeney's short story. Right. Look, here's one of those mock-ups. Yeah, dude, so cool. You squint your eyes at home and tell me that doesn't look like the finished cover. Straight up. So detailed. It makes me wonder if he, who, He'll, he'll uh, light box that or something. Yeah. Seeing that independently makes a lot of sense too. As its own kind of file or piece. Yeah, it stands out so well. This is a great page and they go into detail about it. You know, this idea of Wilson finally seeing like the power of, you know, people see oceans and rivers and get moved. And at this moment, whenever he's seeing the raindrops coalescing in it and he finally gets it. I want to go back and reread Wilson. Yeah, that's 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 an episode. Like we got to do that. We got to do patience. We got to do Velvet Glove. We haven't done Velvet Glove. This Darlington Sunday's the pitch for it. It was only four pages in McSweeney, so not a whole lot to go on. Although I think it's set in Pittsburgh, which gotta love that part. But it's a family of detectives. <laughs> How do you not greenlight that? Right. I don't care who it is, what medium. Dan Cloud's doing a family of detectives. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Bill Hader should be on that. A lot of talk about Caricature and his reservations about it before it's released. And we've covered that story. It's one of his big, big stories. But you can see here, like, what's great about this book? Writing it in, in this draft format. Right. And then and refining it further. Yep. 
Yeah, we did an episode on thumbnails, and that's where that little blue post-it note comes from. Yeah, and if you if you read Klaus' interviews and things, this is the uh, that movie lift. Remember, I was talk I always talk about that b beneath uh, what's the lake in California? Silver Lake beneath Silver Lake. It's that indie movie, and I swear it lifts stuff from a lot from David Boring, uh, especially this scene. Right. Yeah, this is so memorable, man. Cause because that's like this feels like such an authentic like teenage sex moment right and and feels very inauthentic if you see the movie after yeah. you've read it i was looking at this panel trying to understand why this is such a good panel and gripping because it's super simple right like it, i it, it shouldn't work and i think it kind of decodes his art and what makes it work those big heavy lines the iconic kind of treatment of everything really impressive but what i was saying about the thumbnails if you read a lot of Klaus interviews he talks about writing process changing a lot from story to story. Right. So it's kind of cool to see the thumbnails for caricature and see like, oh, writing them in layouts, which is not the way I think he always works, but just something that, you know, that time. Again, another one of the, uh, how do you use photo reference? Right. And David Boring, again, just a matter of time before we cover that. Yeah. You got the issues of that, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, th that one's written about in here too, and they they kind of describe it as almost like genre defying, you know, trying to describe that story. It's true, man. It's <laughs> it true. Like true. like when I read it, I'm like, I, like the thing is, you stay completely engrossed, and then it ends. That's when I started reading Clouds, and it was partway through the serialization. I can't remember if two parts were out or just one, but I was then buying it in real time. Of like, I got to read the next chapter. Right. This See, was the McSweeney's newspaper. They did like a broadsheet that had some comics in it. San Francisco Panorama, 2009. Ken Peril, his, his, Dan Klaus's very own uh, Harry Neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, Ice Haven was one of those revelations, and that was around Mocha time. I remember uh, just how much people responded to that as like, what are we all doing? Yeah, dude. I that, was, that was the chess move versus all of our dumb checkers. <laughs> I was still uh, working at the call center as a kid, and I remember scooping that up. And uh, it was just circulating around uh, everybody at work. And they were just, they were baffled because, like, the comics to them is, like, Bazooka Joe or something. So now they're getting this this comic, and they cannot make heads or tails of it. I couldn't make heads or tails of it the first time. Yeah, it feels like it changed the language of, of American comics to me. Yeah, that's no hyperbole neither, man. And and one of the pieces, see, Ken Peril gets deep. So he's talking about some of the stuff that gets added mm -hmm. and how important this page was for the whole experience of it. Because little David uh, Goldberg, he never speaks. And it's the silences that are so important in um, the Klaus comics. But the fact that the boy like recites that uh, Wilder dude's poem is like a sense. It's, like, it's like... Stockholm syndrome. There's there's all sorts of stuff. What is that. he drawing on? Is this like real newsprint and then color pencils or something? Yeah, it looks just like the shittiest kind of like croaky paper. And then he's like, should he be blonde or should he be a, a, a ginger? I can't believe he even has that haircut. I can't. Like there's a bigger question there. I can't believe he even questioned <laughs> it because of course the ginger's the way to go, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, showing you some of the new pieces uh, to. Uh, to death ray as well here death ray was another one that there was a lot of discussion death ray might have been released at mocha the the issue 
it might have been like a uh, a release because I remember like I think everybody bought it and the next morning it was just like I gotta go talk to my friends about this comic. Right. I also remember that they had the uh, the Death Bray print. Yeah. And I still kick myself for coming home without it. Right. You know, it was a hundred dollars for like this nine color silk screen. All that stuff that Alvin do it did was so so dope. Yeah. Doing like a straight up dissection of of uh, Wilson, which I guess would be the newest work. Really interesting to me the idea of framing Wilson as these different artistic styles for each page. Well, that was his that was his whole motif. That that was like the thing that we were excited about was because like Klaus was was staying that and and he didn't tell you which was which. I think they got it right for, for most of them, but like something tells me he ain't looking at no Beetle Bailey man. Right, and it's not it's not like a one for one. These are not a no, mosh covers no. or something like that. It's it's a very different approach to whenever he's referencing a comic. Yeah, yeah. For instance, there's this one that he calls his like his Bill Elder page, but you like you wouldn't ever assume that that was like the Bill Elder page. Yeah, New Yorker. Man, he's in tight with them, dude. When when you when you got a fresh book out and you could like get some juice in a New Yorker by doing a two page strip, what what's the value on that? And you get paid for that. Yeah, no doubt about it. But then they reject your Ditko. Right. Don't be, don't talk that superhero shit. <laughs> I guess. Don't do it. Francois boy ain't gonna be down. Yeah, there you go. Can't get more cartoonist kayfabe than that, huh, Jimmy? <laughs> what an image. Todd McFarlane portrait, man, with trying to deconstruct them eyebrows. I feel like there needs to be a butt on there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> he and, should be and, drinking a bud. And by the way, draw, <laughs> drawing Spawn. Klaus Spawn. Not not a lot of those out there. Hunter S. Thompson. I think in that comics journal interview, they talk about some of the portraits that he does and yeah. then his approach to that. And I think at the time he was saying he would just kind of like study photos of them and then put the photos away and draw it. Right. <laughs> I remember him talking about the, the original piece for this and he would have to do paste-ups on whenever somebody wasn't yes wasn't happy actors not happy with their likeness yeah and he said that the most pace-ups is john lovitz wow yeah like he, he was the mo the most shy about his his portrayal that's hilarious i'd like to see that original just see how how deep it gets man that orson wells is pretty great yeah dude that late period orson wells is like shouting at everybody I was looking at this robot and trying to figure out like what media we're looking at there. Yeah. That's a strange bunch of marks, like some really toothy paper sampled. Yeah, there's that Canson paper that uh, you can write on that has that kind of texture. But if you ask me, it looks blown up so that like it enhances the fibers, you know, the, the dents and divots. I like to think that's Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> <laughs> it's that one guy who cries, right? Like that, uh, I forget that political I, dude. I forget who it See, is. See, I need to know his name now. I always forget. Glenn Beck. Yeah, that's right. And uh, dude, it's a cover to Bizarro Comics. Like we got the Matt Groening by way of Bill Morrison cover, yeah. but this is the one that he did for, for that uh, series. That's another one. Why is this rejected, DC? One of the great cartoonists of history does a cover for you and you reject it? Yeah, and it's not even Graining who does the cover, you know? It's just like the jobbers that work for Graining. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me how that gets rejected because it's alternative cartoonists, by the way, inside of this book. Right. There's no, this is not the cartoon version weekly or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, real dumb. Real dumb. Those inexplicable decisions by the corporate heads. 
just whenever you try to give someone the benefit of the doubt, it's like, <laughs> oh, I can't now. They, they this go, is, you're nuts. They go opposite. It's, it's just inexplicable. Uh, this is from Kramer's Ergo. So this was run probably at this size. One page. Two up. Yeah. So, or, you know, like a, it would be this both and this. these pieces together. Yeah. Yeah. Which was fun to see him playing with a canvas that was, you know, four or five, eight times the size of a typical comic book page. Right. Doing enough for a 22 page comic on a single page. Heck of an exercise. The volume that he does on this stuff always blows my mind. Because there was like that Hustler, uh, the guy who worked in Hustler cover was in here. Yeah. And it's super detailed. These are neat. And I don't know if you've ever seen Naked Kiss, but the opening scene I recommend everybody watch, if nothing else, because it's a black and white movie where this is a, a prostitute gets in a fight with this dude in the office, gets her wig ripped off. So now you've got this bald prostitute fighting this guy in a very suburban home. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> This was one of those, like, look at the detail on this cover, right. you know, and the detail of the plan for the cover. Yeah. And he does that over and over again. Like going through this, this week, going through this book, I was just struck by the amount of time spent on most of these pages. Right. And he doesn't have a style. Like by the time he gets to the finished drawing, I don't feel like there's anything on here where it's like, okay, you're going to cross hatch this for an hour. Right. You know, that's not there, but the planning part sure is the time. Yeah, totally. That's the Wallywood piss bucket from the famous photo where Wally's like batting away at his typewriter. That's a bathroom. <laughs> oh yeah, when uh, was it Penguin that was doing all those uh, books? Yeah, those there was fun. there was like a Seth one. There was a Chester uh, Brown uh, book cover. Yeah, there were a handful. They were pretty neat. I didn't realize he did a couple. Well, uh, this is that's a different thing. thing. Yeah, but yeah, it is interesting to see how much cover art he was doing. Like the best American non-required reading, that feels like uh, kind of on on brand. This was the screen print yes. that I s foolishly passed up. Yeah, right. Boy, that looks sharp. I think that's the hardcover. D and Q cover. book. Yeah. Also, like that figure. The proportions on that toy figure, I would steal those proportions. Press pot, baby. Like, like I I always joke that like you're not a real Fantagraphics cartoonist if you don't got your um press pot figures man it's it's such a cool design that figure especially when you do like the kind of superhero the small waist proportions that, that design really pops yeah and sure. also the colors are absurd <laughs> dicko would be proud yeah absolutely i have this as a print and that's another one of those it's a giant poster but it's another one like you start looking at it and the amount of detail that he puts in there because that's a record album cover yeah. it's not like it's got to be that rich but it is yeah, it's all it's all building towards something. You know, it's all it's all building to the next uh, opportunity. And and at that time when he's doing that stuff, he does not want to be doing it. But he's got to pay the bills. Like we know the economic reality is eight ball was coming out maybe three times a year, and definitely not selling more than twenty thousand a, a copy. You get seven, eight, nine percent of the cover price. That ain't shit. It might not be 10 grand. No, you have to do this other work and you've got to sell some of your art. You know, yeah. like a lot of this artwork that has slipped out of his possession at low prices, that's that's what you're doing. You're, you're paying the rent. Totally. But you know what? It doesn't show. Like I don't look at this these covers or these illustration jobs and go, oh, he phoned that one in. No. It feels like it's the, it's the Klaus brand. And at the time it may not have had a lot of value, but now you look at these pieces and it's like, oh yeah, that's an extension. If you love eight ball, check out this piece. Right. This is <laughs> so over the top. It's so good. Like, who does this? Yeah. Freaking sketchbook side. 
that must have been after looking at some class, at some crumb sketchbooks and feeling like you gotta gotta work it right i want to know what that is man that inspired the thing uh their appearance on the uh -huh. simpsons that's that's a that's a great clip that you could find on uh youtube pretty easily pretty fun going through this too seeing the progression of the books and where his work is yeah what is this too this is another one that i was looking at going whoa yeah did somebody just sign this like make that for him that's a really nice sculpture those old ben cooper costumes very man. disturbing but a lot of nice work there I like to imagine that might be a chris ware piece. right uh, yeah, he would do those little sculptures and every design to the nines man designed to completely every every inch of it really well man so much tender love and care put into this book about that's highlighting one of the the great modern american cartoonists the art of dan Klaus. if you missed it the first time around you better go scoop it up now because it may be kayfabe affected i don't know that they just keep these things in print i have no idea i have no idea i bought it on day one day one dude but i don't you, know about everybody else you gotta buy this kind of stuff on day one these days good to go i am kayfabers like follow subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available cartoonist kayfabe comic book christmas in july is the last saturday in july and we are putting all of our comic book doubles our comp copies and others into the free little learning libraries in our neighborhoods to increase comic book awareness and to promote comic book readership we want you guys to do to do the same uh last year was the first time we did it more than a thousand people participated i want 10,000 people to participate this year exponential growth that's what we're about we have the patreon uh the king kayfabers on the patreon get these videos before anybody else and that mitigates the kayfabe effect they also have access to this live recording stream that we are doing whenever we record all these videos at once get to hang out in the chat room almost do whole episodes that aren't on uh the, the proper channel privately with the king kayfabers but the vids are brought to you by the books that we make and the hip-hop family tree omnibus is coming to you this christmas it's collecting all four volumes of hip-hop family tree and 140 pages of additional material uh put in your pre-orders now we have just sent it off to print so it is now uh limited in terms of those who are getting the uh the first printings not the last holiday piece i'm putting out this year the x-men grand design trade paperback is coming to you this year uh there's a volume out of print of x-men grand design so this is your way to get all of it at once and red room is my current comics project two trade paperbacks of that are out there right now crypto killers is the latest and final season of red room issue three is forthcoming uh coming out the uh, last wednesday of july and that's going to have a backup feature that kind of shows you a proto version of my daily comic strip characters so i consider that to be a hot key make sure you get your hands on that jimmy what do you have street angel princess of poverty will be my next book release from image comics it'll be out this fall you can pre-order that now in some locations and it is the set piece for deadly scroll alive which image just reissued in a trade paperback so no overlap there but together they'll collect all the street angel comics that i have ever made uh, hulk grand design and the plain janes also available right now and my latest self-published comic true crime funnies I've actually sold out the print edition, although a reprint is coming. But if you can't wait for the reprint, you can read all of my comics and all of my upcoming comics on patreon.com slash jimrug, or you can get the PDFs on my website. Jimmy, tell the people some other ways that they can support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. 
You can subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter. Below this video is a link. You can also pick up t-shirts, hats, mugs, merchandise, stickers, and so on. Also below this video at our Spreadshop link. There you have it, guys. Uh, those are your marching orders. Keep the lights on in the Kayfabe studios. Give them those marching orders, Jim, and we'll be on our way. Make more comics.